You're listening to episode 43 of the Broken Glass Podcast, being an example of change with Juno. You're listening to the Broken Glass Podcast, a podcast with a mission to highlight women in the music industry through their stories, from their successes to their trials and tribulations. We'll share tools and resources available to you to make your music dream job come to life or to start that business you've always wanted to own. But most of all, you'll be a part of the Broken Glass community where we support and encourage each other and open the doors to working in music. I'm your host, Christy Jacobson, entrepreneur, music lover, wonderluster, and dreamer. Welcome to the show. All right. Welcome back to the Broken Glass podcast. Today, I have artist, producer, guitarist Juno with me. So welcome to the podcast, Juno. What's up? Thank you so much for having me. Oh, it's my pleasure. I am so excited to talk to you today. We have a lot to talk about. Yes, we do. Um, we do. So let's kind of just dive in a little bit, uh, get to know you and what you do. So just kind of a bit of your background, you know, how you got into music, what you're doing right now, and we'll, we'll just go from there. Awesome. So I have kind of a unique entry into the music business. Um, I went to college for social work. I was like, really excited about that. Um, my first job was at a rehab drug rehab facility center for teenagers. 15 year old heroin addict is my first client. He's obsessed with guitar. He don't want to do no treatment. And, um, you know, I wanted to come up with a way to connect with him. So I kind of tried to trick him into giving me a couple guitar lessons in exchange for treatment. And it's just like, Whoa. I mean, it just changed my life. I mean, I literally became obsessed with guitar and just started bringing my, you know, I got a guitar and started bringing my guitar to work every day. And even though he was this 15 year old heroin addict, he really changed the course of my life just by sharing his passion with me. And it was very simple. Um, so, so, um, that's fast forward later. That's what made me find, um, found the Juno's guitar bootcamp because I wanted to share my passion with other people the way Jake shared his passion with me. Um, fast forward, I just started practicing, practicing, practicing. Um, went to Berklee College of Music. Don't know how I got into that school because I still can't read music. I was in there doing the Nick Cannon, <laughs> like trying to play it off. I'm like, yeah, C sharp, <laughs> Beethoven and all that. Um, but then I dropped out because I, I didn't feel like it was a good fit and started touring um, as a lead guitarist, or excuse me, as an acoustic guitarist with Fifth Harmony. Um, and then eventually went to lead guitar and um, toured with Camila Cabello, opening for Bruno Mars on the 24th Carat Magic in the Air <laughs> tour. And that was a blast. Um, traveled the world for the first time. You know, I'm from Chicago. I'm, a, I'm, I'm the girl next door. So, um, really got to broaden my horizons and my perspective of the world. Um, it was an amazing experience. Uh, I decided after all of that, come off the road, come to Nashville and write my first album, which I just released on April 24th, my birthday called Help Is Not On The Way. Please check that out on all streaming platforms. Um, and it is just the best work I've ever done. I think that as a guitarist, I was in one lane, and as an artist and producer, now I feel like, whew, I, I have so much freedom. I mean, I played all the instruments. I have a few of my buddies on there, but most of the instruments, I produced it myself. So it's my heart and my soul, and that's where I'm at now. So it's been, it's been like a woo journey. Uh, but I'm just an artist, um, a black girl, queer girl, and I just really want to express myself in the world. And that's, that's really it. Yeah. You've had, that's an incredible career to be able to go and to tour and to perform with some of these, I mean, Bruno Mars superstars, right. And to, uh, to have that experience. Yeah. Yeah. He yeah. stole my guitar lick by the way. He told me he stole <laughs> it. And I'm cool with it. I just want, I want to be able to say that Bruno but, Mars played my guitar. Your... <laughs> yeah. That's, that's <laughs> incredible. And you know, the, you went to Berkeley and that's a very mm -hmm. prestigious yeah. music school. Yeah. yeah. But you yeah. know, you mentioned not being able to really read and I think everybody learns in their own way. And, and yeah. some people, you know, I, I read music. I can't improvise. Like uh -huh. I can't, I'm not the person that can hear it. Like I'm probably the complete opposite of you. Like I can read yeah. it and, and perform what's on a page, but you ask me yeah. to go just play and 
I can't do it. I don't see, if I'm looking at a paper, I can't read my audience. I can't, right. I can't to my heart. Like I like to be in it. I like yeah. to, I might take off my shoes and get on the piano or something. Like, yeah. you know, I, like, I love to just, I believe in just raw expression. I think we're so afraid of that. Yeah. And I just love breaking the rules. I just love it. Yeah. Cause, no, cause that's no consequences, but whatever you have in your mind. So, you know, right. that was a great experience because I did learn a lot of music theory and structure and professionalism in the music business. Um, but it really took for me to get out on my own, get out on the road with Fifth Harmony. I mean, five girls and then three girls in the band. So you're talking about eight girls on a tour bus. <laughs> Lord, girl, we all had our periods at the same time. It was crazy. But, I can imagine, you know, yeah. <laughs> and they were all like young, young adults becoming young adults. And we were kind of in our upper 20s, the band. So it was an interesting dynamic. But we, we formed um, some amazing connections that helped us all kind of shape us for what we wanted to do after that, which I think is, is a blessing for all of us involved. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I love now women supporting women and really, you know, the, I've, I'm in Facebook groups with other women and just just the connection that we have yeah. and how we can have each other, support each other. It's just incredible. Yeah, and to really see the next thing, a lot of people think caddy and fight with each other. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, so your album just came out in April. Help is not on the way. I really want to talk about this. I was listening yeah. to it I, we, before we came on. I told you I was listening to it, and I absolutely love it. So tell me, tell me a bit about that process, that the writing and production, and and then the release process for you. Yeah, what was that so like? I'm- 100% independent. A lot of people don't know that because I wear like 90 hats and, and I do a lot of networking. I've, I've met so many people as a guitarist along the journey. Um, so what I didn't realize is I've been writing this album like the last five, ten years of my life. Didn't really realize it. Um, but I used to start writing poems when I was in high school. I had a teacher named Jennifer Johnson at Rock Island High School. And I'll never forget her because first of all, she was like the first queer person that I had ever met personally, like that was like openly queer because I came from a real religious community. So I think automatically I felt kind of drawn to her. I don't think I understood yet because I didn't even really understand, you know, my queerness yet. So uh, thinking back now, she introduced us to poetry. And that's, that's really when I became a writer because I was like, Moby Dick and them is like, they is really killing the game out here. I want to do this. I love this. Oh my gosh. So, um, you know, Dr. Maya Angelou and Langston Hughes and, and James Baldwin and, and just so many amazing authors and poets and writers um, that I had always, you know, learned about in school inspired me to say, well, what's my story? You know, so I start, it started, my first song ever was my song to my grandpa. He, he was going to the hospital to get a surgery on his knee. And I was like, oh my God, what if he doesn't come out? What would I want to be the last thing he hears from me? I'm so dramatic. Like <laughs> he has like 20 grandchildren. I'm like, what is the last thing he needs to hear before he goes and surgery? My song that I wrote yesterday. So <laughs> I wrote him this song called How Much You Mean To Me. And like my family, like when it went viral in my family, within my family, <laughs> you know? So I think that kind of gave me the confidence and I kept writing songs. When I started playing guitar, um, you know, I kind of took those poems and was like, well, these poems are stories about my life. How can I take these poems and make them into songs? And so I started to do that. And then when I met Camila Cabello and we were um, touring with Fifth Harmony, me and her were both like obsessed with learning guitar and getting better. And like every day we were like, okay, we would like watch the tapes. You know how football, football players watch tapes? Right, so me yeah. and Camila will watch tapes from the, <laughs> from the concert and be like, She'd be like, okay, tomorrow, make sure that when your left foot goes out, because I'm going to spin around and look at you. And like, we were like so intense. And uh, we started to develop this sisterhood of just like wanting to just absorb as much music, you know, as we can. And so um, when she started working on her solo album, naturally, me and her were writing songs together. And I was, you know, we were trying to come up with something for her album or for kind of, it was kind of like a, we didn't really know what direction we were going in, but it was just, I mean, this was before Havana, before all of that. Right. So, I mean, and I still have those on my computer, our little songs that we wrote and stuff. And it it was just, it was amazing to experience that with someone who, number one, you, I look up to and respect so much, but for, for us, for her to like sit on the bathroom floor with me and just like write a song 
it really made me realize and then to watch her like with her platform because I didn't really have a platform yet but to watch her take her emotion and then share that with the world and watch what all these young girls with and they were relating to it I'm just like wow that is so powerful that's so powerful and I never thought I wanted to be an artist but I, I saw that she had a certain type of reach that as a guitarist I couldn't have because I could not speak as, a, as just a guitarist. Right. Yeah. So then I transitioned and I thought I was gonna write her whole album and I was about to be rich and all of that. And I'm like, <laughs> my best friend is on, oh, you gotta get this album. Don't play with me, streaming everywhere right now, I too. And then she was like, they're just not me. And I was like, Rrr. but at the same time, I respected the fact that as my friend, she told me the truth and that led me to my path. You see what I'm saying? Right. A lot of times we look up to somebody and we think our path is supposed to look like theirs, but it's not. Nobody, no two paths look the same. So she really inspired me and, and encouraged me to find my own voice and to be confident enough to own my voice. You say, this is my story. This happened to me and this is how I feel about it. You know, and so I just continued to, to write and write and write. And um, I moved to Nashville because Nashville has just such an amazing reputation for the musicians that live here. And um, I began to just piece together the album. Like I never knew that I was a producer. I never tried to be a producer, but I, I would make my demos and send them to producers. And they'd be like, what do you want me to do? I'm like, produce it. <laughs> They're like, it is produced. You know? So I was working with some pretty big name producers and they were like, I think you're a producer, you know? And I was just like, really? You know, um, so I produced the album and I executive produced it. And I, and, you know, I had so much support from my fans and from just all the people I met and supporters all along the way. I did a Kickstarter that was successfully funded. Uh, so shout out to everyone that pitched in and donated for that. And thank you um, for, for that. But um, yeah, the process was very grassroots. I literally took one second at a time and piece together that entire album if somebody coughed on there it was me <laughs> you know what I'm saying? i didn't hire a copper i did the cough you know and i think that's important as a black queer woman for me to say that because i'm always trying to shrink and minimize and be humble but right now i feel proud in the world the world got me feeling proud right now you know what i'm saying i think that's important because a lot of women i think could produce themselves but we're in a culture and a society that tells us oh the men are the producers and we're the art we're at the mic with the pretty dress and uh, listen i love it i ain't against it but i think a lot more women need to step up and own their music and learn the instrument learn how to use logic and pro tools learn how to edit yourself you know what right. i'm saying because we don't need all the stuff we have and i think that's what the quarantine has really taught us we don't really need Madison Square Garden to reach that mm -hmm. many people. You just got to have something to say and you have to present it in a way that's digestible. And that's the part that I learned over this last year. How do I express myself and capture that as raw and awesome as it feels and painful and beautiful and terrible as it feels? How can I capture that and then whoosh, put it on the internet? Right. Yeah. That's you what I did. Yeah, you brought up a good point. Um, before we got on the podcast, you were discussing the USC Annenberg study, and it was inclusion in the recording studio. And I think it was it went from 2012 to 2018. And I just was rereading it before we came on. And there were two facts that really stood out to me about producers, right? Okay. And this is a 47 to 1 ratio of male to female producers. Mm -hmm. And then four out of 100, 871 producers were women of color. Four so out of how many? 871. Whoa! Yeah. Woo! Shout so out to Mickey Miller, uh, Joy the Drummer, the few pro women producers that I know, but I don't know, you know, that many. Right, yeah. And, and <laughs> those, those two facts, they just, especially in today's climate, it just, it's so stood out to me. And, and you made a great point that we especially in quarantine, we, we've been able to really see that we don't need to go out. We can do this on our own. We can yeah. set up our own live streams on Instagram and Facebook and connect with our audience on an authentic and like really just grassroots level. Yeah. And, and, and that I think for some people, and I know, I know some people have really struggled with 
being alone, especially if they live alone and really yeah. have not having that human connection. But others I know have taken time to learn. They've taken time to, to do courses, yeah. to really experiment, to, to write, to, to produce their own work. And I think yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, those two <clears throat> figures, I just, yeah, you know, I, I read through it a couple years ago and just rereading it today. It was one of those things just like, okay, we need to get these voices yeah. heard. We need yeah. to, to push to have women in these roles. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think with a lot of, especially some, you know, someone like you produced, you know, your own album. That's incredible. Yeah. A lot Thank of people you. would say, I'm just going to, you know, record this song that somebody wrote for me and then someone else yeah. is going to produce it and release it. But to, to be independent and to do that all yourself and to produce such an incredible album. Yeah. I mean, just... I, will, I couldn't, I, I don't like to name drop. I'll probably get in trouble too, but I had some <laughs> big names saying, sing this song and I said thank you but no thank you yeah because that's not my story that didn't happen to me and I'm not gonna sing that every night for two years on nobody's tour right Hell no. I don't even feel that <laughs> but, you know. and, yeah and I could hear in the lyrics of your songs that you know even before talking to you and meeting you that it was you yeah. you know that it was your voice that's coming through and you know, I mean, there are a lot of people, I can't write songs for my life. I can't sing though either. So, right, right, right. <laughs> but you know, I would probably be the one be like, okay, somebody help me write this. But you know, for someone like you that, I think that was absolutely incredible. And, 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 you. you know, and I kudos to you on that album. Thank you. I've always respected, like all, all my favorite songs and my favorite artists were always the people that like broke the structural rules in music. Stevie Wonder, what, what's going on? Like, seriously, we don't know what, one song is like jazz, then it's like R&B, <laughs> then it's like funk, then it's like a ballad, you know what I'm saying? Or like Lionel Richie, who would take two different worlds and merge them together, and just you just felt like butterflies and Skittles, and you embarrassed, but you know you watching all the Lionel Richie videos. You know, I, I think that's what I really love about this, this entire experience, is that I got to take all of who I am, all of what I do, all of what I love, um, you know, and really break the rules. One, one comment I keep getting is like, what genre are you? I can't really put you in a box. I'm like, good. Cause you couldn't put Prince in a box. You couldn't put, and all my favorite people, you couldn't put them in a box. What genre was Jimi Hendrix? Jimi Hendrix. Yeah. You know, <laughs> so it's like, I always tell, I always tell my mom, I'm like, I kind of feel like Mickey Mouse. Like, I'm just, it's just like, what is Mickey Mouse? It's just Mickey Mouse. It just is, you know, yeah. I don't know what it is. Um, so I, I really, um, I'm aware that I, I am very diverse and broad and, and not, you know, some, someone said like soul folk, but that ain't really it either. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's not pop and it's not urban and it's not hip hop. It's not, it's all of that, you know? Yeah. What would no. you say? What would you say the genre I, was? I mean, or what vibes like, did it give you? Vibes. I mean, each song sounded a little different. They all had their own unique, their own unique sound. And I think that's what really drew me to, to really, I just kept listening and listening. And I was, this is incredible because, you know, and I've had this discussion with other guests too, who are just like that. They don't want to be put in a box. They, you know, this song might sound country and this song might sound Americana and this song might sound pop yeah. and, and really it's just them. It's just what they're feeling in that moment. And I, mm-hmm. I felt that with you. It's just what, yeah. Yeah. It's just what, it was. what did you want to say and how did you want to say it? How do you want it to come across? Yeah. And it's, you know, and I think in this world, we, we try to put ourselves in boxes, but we can't do that. You know, we're all unique. We all have our own different, yeah. different, um, I don't know what the word, <laughs> but you know, like yeah. we, I'm all over the board. You know, I listen to from country to pop to alternative to, you know, I'll listen to some, some soul. And, and, you know, I really, I appreciate it as artistry. Yeah. Right. I don't want to like say, Oh, I only listen to this genre. You know, I really, you know, looking at, looking at a lot of my influences, um, it's interesting because you don't really see a lot of black women playing guitars. You know, the the first black woman I ever saw playing the guitar was Indiari. Have you ever heard of her? Yes, yeah. Woo! I just yeah. love her. And she's just evolving. She's one of those artists that she's like, she just keeps getting better over time. I mean, I just love her. And when I saw her, that was one image, okay? Like, NDRE. The next Black woman I saw playing guitar in my ever was B.B. McGill. 
who was Beyonce's guitarist for like 10 years. And she's now one of my really good friends. I literally spoke to her this morning. Um, <clears throat> I was like, BB, you okay? Like, it's great. <laughs> uh, but, you know, she's like one of my mentors and just, um, you know, the way she dominated Beyonce's stage when she did her. So I don't know if you've ever seen her freakum just so I low. I don't think oh, I have, but now I want to go honey, see if I can find videos. You don't even understand. Yeah. Like, she, I was just like, okay, what just happened? And who is, what's going and then like for the Super Bowl, she had like fire coming out of her guitar. And I mean, oh, wow. this was like, this, I'm looking at this like, whoa, you know? <laughs> so I had Indiari in that. And so if you look at me and you look at my music, I, I'm kind of right in the middle of that. You know, when I was on the Fifth Harmony tour, I did this crazy uh, Ozzy Osbourne guitar solo mixed with Drake. I, I mixed Ozzy Osbourne and Drake. And that was my solo that I did. And I just thought that was cool because it's two different worlds, you know, coming right. together. So yeah, it's just like, I, I developed my own style based on all the styles that influenced me. And it was India Ari. It was Bob Dylan and the way he was kind of weird in his storytelling and kind of like, like just like a weird guy sitting there. Like, I just love that. <laughs> I love the, the, the thing, like the harmonica, like, why is that attached to you like that? It's so cool. Um, you know, but telling a story to me is the most important part of my music because I feel like everything else is just making noise. But when I'm telling a story, I feel like I'm leaving something behind that's valuable. Um, and I'm really proud of this album. So I hope you guys check it out if you're listening. Yeah. And I'll definitely link to it in the show notes so that uh, my audience can find it, stream it and share it yeah. on social. Um, I want to chat a little bit about your guitar boot camp. And so you you started this and it's in I think you said 12 countries now. So tell me yeah. a little bit about it, how it kind of came about <laughs> and and what what you yeah. really do with it. Yeah. So it's so funny you asked about this because I'm just launching tomorrow the the Zoom group classes. Uh, but I, I founded this guitar boot camp 2 years ago, about 2 years ago. And I had done free YouTube videos on YouTube for about five years. And it's kind of funny. I know this sounds very unlikely, but it is actually true. I never went back. I, I, I was, as I was learning guitar, I was 24 hours pretty much playing guitar and just posting videos. And I never really went back and like read comments or, or paid attention to engagement because back then, you know, it wasn't really about that anyway. It was really about the community. Now people are all about numbers and stuff and like going viral, but like, it was just about like the community. And so what I did was I looked on YouTube and I'm like, okay, all these white boys teaching guitar, ain't nobody teaching black music on guitar. That's what I'm going to do. Cause I can't compete with them. I can't compete with the Beatles and you know, Marty Schwartz and Justin Cinderscore and all these amazing guitar teachers were teaching a lot of like the white classic rock and roll music. And every once in a while they'll throw in like a Stevie Wonder, but I'm like, but that ain't really how Stevie did it. You know what I'm saying? So I was like, man, it would be cool if, if people could learn this music from someone who really understood this culture. And I love this music. So, so Guitar Bootcamp birthed from me just seeing a lane that was empty that I enjoyed and doing it. And in the beginning, I'm going to be honest, it wasn't really that popular at all. It was like, I was never popular. I, I was just, I had so much content and I was covering the things that no one else was. Um, so I started to do Skype guitar lessons. Well, first of all, I started working with uh, Camila Cabello on tour. You know, we would practice on back of buses. Um, I mean, I still send her stuff and we work on songs and stuff. Uh, Machine Gun Kelly was another friend of mine that I would go to their mansion like every weekend and just jam. And like, when I tell you some of the funnest times of my life, uh, some stories I'm gonna have to just leave there. <laughs> 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 Shout out to all the bros. Uh, but yeah, I just feel like, um, it birthed from me sharing with my close friends and, and I didn't realize I was like developing a program, but then I was like, okay, how did I learn guitar? And I literally wrote out the curriculum of like what I took myself through. Cause I did it. I remembered it. And I was like, okay, first I did this. Then I did this. And I looked at, it, I was like, you know what? I probably should have done that first. So I moved it. Oh, and I literally just started building a curriculum and just Skyping people one-on-one. -on -one. And I, I did that. And I've, I've served over 300 people in over 12 countries in, in almost two years doing just that. Tomorrow I am launching my Zoom group classes, five people, two to five people. They all are filling up. 
so five people. Um, and um, there are R&B guitar master classes. I'm gonna be doing songwriting classes, recording guitar, uh, just different workshops. And, and my goal with the boot camp, the mission is to bridge that gap between um, the, the profession, a professional guitarist and just like underserved, underprivileged, under-resourced, under-accessed to all of that. You know, the, the, the internet is big and scary and it's a lot of information. And I was just like, man, as a guitarist, when I was coming up in it, I wish there was one place that I can go to go from zero to wherever I wanted to go, you know? And that's, that's what I've done is really taken each person and listen for the first time. When you post videos, you're talking. But right. when you, I was listening and I got to hear the hearts of the people. And I was like, wow. And I altered my curriculum and I changed my mind. And I think that's important to listen and change your mind. It's okay to say, you know what? I can do that better because they just told me that that wasn't helpful. So how, you know, so I literally, in a way, I feel like me and my, me and my supporters, we built this curriculum together, you know, and it's like a family and a community. And so I was like, man, you need, this girl in Canada, you need to meet this dude in Brazil because y'all got the same vibe. And I know y'all never met. So I started connecting people and then I'm like, I got to do group classes. So tomorrow's my first one. I have two classes where I'm so excited. I love it so much. I love playing guitar, but I love teaching guitar. I love the way their faces light up when they have that aha moment, when they realize that, oh, I get it. And now I can do something with this to impact the world in my community. Right, um, yeah. Playing for celebrities has been awesome, but it's not the most valuable thing I've done. And I always tell people that because it's important. Your goal, if you, if you can be whatever you want to be right in your community, that will expand and grow. But a lot of people have this dream of like, I want to play for Jesus. I mean, whoever, I don't know. <laughs> I want to be a rock star. Yeah. reality check that I can give people of hey you're trying you want to impact the world impact your grandma who's sick right now she needs you go play her a song that's right. powerful that's yeah. that's activism that's sharing love through music that's music heals and right. that that's what I'm about I'm about how can music heal our communities and bring us together I want to go to the hood with my acoustic guitar and, and play Stevie Wonder what's gonna happen when I do that and right. and that's that that's what I've been um, teaching my students how to express themselves, how to get in touch with their communities and how to bridge the gap between practicing guitar and using guitar to bring people together and connect people. Because you can sit in your, your room all day and post YouTube videos. You can make a lot of money and you can get viral views, but it's nothing like being in your community and making an impact, even if it's one kid next door who don't have a dad and you just, you, you, you mentor, you know what I'm saying? Like right. it's very, yeah. it's, it's very harmful. It's, I mean, on a, like on a, I guess kind of on a selfish personal level, it's f more fulfilling to be, to be able to do that, to impact. You see, yeah. you can see the impact that it has on, like you said, the, their eyes light up. They make that connection. Oh yeah. They, you know, you create this community and you can see how everybody helps each other, you know, and connects with each other and really, it, it's so much more impactful than, yeah. you know, I know everybody's like, Oh, I want to be a rock star. And then it's like, okay, that's cool. But what happens when that goes away? Yeah. Right. Do you have and that community? Do you have a pandemic and right. no one can even go anywhere. <laughs> Guess what? Nobody's exactly. a rock star. We all at home irritated <laughs> and annoyed. So now what? Yeah, and that's exactly. Who are you when all of this fades away, when the lights are off and there's no smoke and there's no nothing, who are you? And what are you actually doing in the world? Will you right. be proud of that when you leave here? And that's, that's what I challenge to people in the camp. And if you focus on that, you will grow more and it will be more fulfilling than if you could become the fastest player in the world and everybody right. knows you. Like, who cares? Yeah, who cares? exactly. Yeah. Um, that kind of touches on something that, you know, you and I had discussed talking about on the podcast today. Um, we always on the podcast talk about being a woman in the industry and how that kind of impacts us. But I think right now in the world we're in today, it's really important to talk about the Black Lives Matter movement. And, you know, you had mentioned, Absolutely. you know, even with your music, being a, a, you know, a musician in this, 
I guess I'm just kind of, I'd love to just get your perspective and, and really have that conversation. Cause I think it's so important that we do, we do talk about it. Um, and, and what it's like for you being, you know, a black woman in, in the industry and just in the community. Yeah, absolutely. Um, <clears throat> black lives matter is a, is a very important movement because I think it's putting a, um, magnifying glass on all of us whether we like it or not. And that's always a positive thing because change is a good thing. If you look back um, in 1964, when Dr. King fought to have the Civil Rights Movement Act passed, the Civil Rights Act where people could vote, you know, think about all they had to go through to get that. And we watched in school, we watched those videos and stuff. And we look back at that like, wow. Well, guess what? That's what's happening right now. This is 55 years later and we're not dealing with voting because we can all vote. Now we're dealing with, police brutality and you know I, I have friends all over the world all different races all different ages um, and I do believe that all lives do matter absolutely mm -hmm. however when a certain group are being targeted I think it's important to have compassion and to sympathize and understand that we want to be heard and we want to matter in the same way that we see other cultures and other groups of people mattering. And, and, you know, it's very simple. A lot of the videos and stuff that are going around are traumatizing and shocking and very sad. And in the beginning, I was like, I'm not going to watch this stuff. I can't, I've done it. I marched after Mike Brown. I marched after Trayvon. I went to DC. I did it. I wrote songs that no one listened to. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, and now those songs are coming back. Um, but I had to really check myself and say, it wasn't, it's not about me. And that's the point. If everyone can say that, it's not about me, it's about the whole. And if we can all get on, how can we all be on the same level? And to me, that's what the Black Lives Matter movement is about. And um, I'm gonna be honest, I have only surrounded myself by positive voices within this movement. I understand there are a lot of um, negative things and backlash and things like that. And my response to that, to be honest, is that <clears throat> you can't really change someone else, but you can be a, an example of what change looks like. And I think that's the most effective thing that we can do. I think we've all talked and shared and, and, and I think now it's time for action. And not like, cloud action not like you and your camera crew going to the hood and passing out twinkies thank you y'all we appreciate it but we don't need no twinkies okay yeah we need education so that brings me to what i am personally doing my response i thought long and hard a week to be exact about what what can i do you know and so number one um juno's guitar boot camp is sponsoring 20 black students to do the boot camp this summer oh excuse me um and we have partnered with um, our, our first two sponsors, Camila Cabello and Diane Foster, who's an amazing producer, writer, actress. And um, it's just so incredible. Again, I'm, I'm really trying to bridge that gap between someone who, who's, who might look up to someone like a Camila Cabello and say, oh, wow, like, how did you do that? And it's like, well, it's not, it wasn't magic. You know, it was, it was, it was hard work. It was this, it was that. And so I'm, I'm bridging that gap and, and providing these, these opportunities to, to have mentorships, um, to get guitar lessons, quality guitar lessons, because listen, my, my stuff's accurate, okay? Some of y'all on YouTube posting these chords and I, don't, I can't confirm. But um, yeah, you know, to, to, to get an excellent education in music, but also to feel like you're connected to resources that can help you reach your dreams. And a lot of black people, unfortunately, don't have that and haven't had that. We get the sh kind of like the shorter end of the stick. I don't know if you've seen the video going around about the Monopoly game. She said, imagine playing 400 rounds of Monopoly and you not getting to even play at all. You have no money, you have no property, nothing. You just sitting there. <laughs> and then the last 50 rounds you get to play. But every time you start to get ahead, they burn your money. They burn your property. They burn everything. Because that's literally what they did like I, I really hope people are doing research because i have i'm black and i'm doing research it ain't mm -hmm. about color right now it's about knowing the truth 
and I think our society and our government, and our system, there's so many isms and messed up stuff about it. Right now, this is what we're talking about. Because guess what? We all talked about the women's movement. Right. We all talk about pride in June. So stop acting like we can't all talk about this for, for a moment to, to really make change and get some things going and get some sparks going. So that's what I have to say about it. If it affects me because I feel like for the first time, my voice is being heard. I feel like for the first time, the things that I've created might be, might seem valuable. And it's sad to say, to admit this, but I've always felt like as a black woman, because I'm positive, because I'm talented, because I'm articulate, because I'm intelligent. To be honest with you, guitar is, has been traditionally a white man's instrument. But I won't pull up to the stool with any of them and hang with any of them. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So in a way, I've never really voiced this, but in a way, I've always kind of felt like if I, if I show my ass and titties, or if I act a certain way, or if I do, if I do something I got to have drama. I don't have drama. I'm sorry, I don't, because I keep peace around me. I don't keep no negative energy around me. I got I to gotta have some, something negative going on in order to get attention or, or, or respect. And I feel like a long time ago, I decided that I wasn't going to do that. And, and I feel like I've stood up in the industry against men who told me, you have to do this to get this opportunity. And I said, no, thank you. I don't want it. I literally had, I can't say the name, I literally had one of the top producers in the world tell me that I'm going to need a man to co-write with in order for my perspective to be balanced. That was his way of saying, you need a man to write with you for your album to be good, basically. And I was just like, (laughs) Yeah. Well, and that, that's why, you know, you look at these stats and, you know, how many, how many songwriters are, are female, you know, what's that percentage like? And it's, it's, it leaves me speechless, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> when you hear these but things, some of the best songwriters in the world are female. Are female. Shout out to oh. B.B. Borelli. Yeah. Shout out to Julia Michaels. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. There's some badass writers in the game right now. Oh, yeah. I mean. Um, Shout out to Victoria Monet. Shout mm-hmm. out to, um, there's so many, I mean, like the one, the ones that, that I don't, I don't know if you know, have you ever heard of B.B. Borelli? She wrote Bitch Better Have My Money. Very familiar. Yeah. I don't know. If you ever heard Bitch Better Have My Money? Yeah. I've heard that. Yeah. <laughs> so she wrote that song. She's written a, a lot of songs. She's got her own projects too, but she, she's someone that I've always respected. She's a black writer. And again, um, you know, they don't, they don't get the same, we don't get the same recognition. Like, you know what I'm saying? Sometimes I look up and like, I'll look at, and I just, I just have to stop even paying attention or caring about the validation aspect of the industry because I know I'm creating something that's valuable and whether people realize that now or after I'm gone, it ain't my problem. It ain't my responsibility. My responsibility was to make it and to create it. And so after getting back to the black lives matter movement, after I, I've traveled the world and got to experience so many different cultures and I mean, places that they don't even speak the same language or have the same foods as, as us, you know, um, I mean, we literally went all over the world. It really challenged me when I came back to America um, because I realized that a lot of the, the way things are doesn't really actually have to be like that because I see other countries doing things other ways. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, is that really the, the, the only way it could be? You know what I mean? So I think that um, for me, having the privilege of traveling, traveling is a privilege. Mm-hmm. And um, it's something that I enjoyed a lot. I felt a responsibility to bring back to my community the things I learned out in the world. Uh, and I think that's important because the Black Lives Matter movement is about the collective of us all. It's not enough just for me to make it. Right. It wasn't enough. Listen, I ain't gonna lie. I was up there with some of the, I was like, hey, hey, oh, hey. And then I was like, damn, I gotta go back and get my grandma. Dang, I gotta make sure my brother good. Okay, let me, let me check on my cousin because she got a cake business. Shout out to Carmi Cakes, Chicago. If you need a cake, best cakes in the world. If you don't like your cake, I'll give you a million dollars. That's how good the cake Okay, I'll write you a check. It's gonna bounce. But, <clears throat> you know, I 
I started to see how the people back at home who hadn't been anywhere, they had the same hearts, the same desires, the same, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. It's really the haves versus the have nots, you know? And I think we all want to just have the best experience in life that we can have. And everybody deserves that. I was pulled over. Um, I, I drove from Nashville to Arizona. I just wanted to go on a little road trip. You know what I'm saying? I visited some mountains and cool stuff. Um, and I had my white, a white friend of mine meet me there. We both drove and met and then drove back. I was pulled over three times. The first time I was just, it was just like 20 minutes of questioning. Where are you going? Why do you have a guitar? What, I mean, it's just like, they can't believe I play guitar. It's like, because I play it. He's like, whose guitar is that? Mine. You know, so just stuff like that is just like, why don't you think that's my guitar? Like, you know, um, then the second time, um, I was, I, they had me get out of the car and sit on the ground by the tire on the side of the high, highway and then lay on the side of the uh, sidewalk while he's searching my car. And thinking back now, like, as, I'm, as I tell my friends the story, they're like, did he have a warrant? Did he have, and I was like, no. You know, um, the third time, the police officer had me get out of the car put me in the back of the police car. I didn't know, like, once you get in the back, I've never been in the back of a police car. So I didn't know that once you get in the back of a police car, you can't get out. So he put, he, was, he put me in there, and then he went off somewhere. And I'm like, we're in, like, Texas. It's literally smoking hot in Texas, right? right? And I'm like, bro, I can't breathe back here. And just so you know, I had no idea what was going on in the world because I was just, I had just gone on this adventure in the mountains. I had been completely disconnected. So... Thank God I didn't know, because I probably would have been even more anxious and fearful. Um, but I was just like, and when I say didn't know, I knew about police brutality. I knew about that. I didn't know that George Floyd had passed, Breonna Taylor, um, Ahmaud. Oh, Aubrey, so this was recent. Yeah, oh, this happened last week to me. Okay. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So it's... I'm telling this story because I think a lot of people... A lot of people say, okay, you're protesting, but it doesn't happen to you. You did, look at you, you did well for yourself. Right. You played for celebrities. You're intelligent, you're articulate. You're not ghetto. I've had white people say that to me. Actually say that to me, girl. I'm like, girl, I wanna pop some of y'all in the mouth. Excuse me, I don't, oh Lord, Jesus. Yeah. And it's just like, you know, the, the ignorance and the disrespect for all we've done to build this country, mm -hmm. to contribute to culture in every art, you take away black people and you ain't got no sports, you ain't got no art, you ain't got nothing. And yeah, a lot of what we have today is, you know, especially when you look at music. Absolutely. You know, like absolutely. look look at the impact, you know, I mean, just even recently, Stevie Wonder and you know, going back Fats Domino and, and all the, the artists had on Miles Davis. We, yeah, Don Miles Coltrane, Davis. Ella yeah. Fitzgerald. You know, it's, Bill Holiday. Absolutely. Yeah. So I, I feel I feel a responsibility, and I know I'm, I'm so passionate about this because I really, really, really had a rough time this week. Emotionally, it was really difficult. Oh, I didn't finish the police story, so I'm banging, asking him, "Can I please roll? Can you roll down the window? Can you let me out? Because I thought I was gonna be able to just get out." Right. And he gets in his in the driver's seat, and he's like typing on the computer. I don't know what he's doing. I guess he's looking up whatever asking me all these questions. And I said, sir, it's really uncomfortable back here. He goes, it ain't meant to be comfortable back there. But I'm not even under arrest. Right. I haven't broken any laws and I cooperatively got back here. Yeah. Why are you being aggressive with me? Like, you know, so sometimes to be honest, I feel like the police try and like provoke you and they're looking for something. They randomly hope they might've found something on me, but they didn't and unfortunately, some people may have a bad tail light and then that leads to an altercation and then they die. Right. And so that seems dramatic, but that's what actually that's happens. That's what happens. Yeah. That's what happens. Like, and, and watch the videos for all the people that can't watch the videos. You don't get to say that this doesn't happen. You don't get to say right. all lives matter. You don't get to say that until you've watched the videos mm -hmm. and done the research because everybody wants to do research for everything else. But when something gets uncomfortable, they don't do they, any research. Yeah. They just listen to other people that have similar thoughts as them and feel validated and then say, yeah, we're right. You're wrong. Mm -hmm. And it's like, it ain't about right and wrong. It's about moral versus immoral. And the, the United States of America, America has committed sins <laughs> that they need to repent mm -hmm. for.
and they need to, uh, you know, I, I still ain't got my 40 acres of mule, but beyond that, I just want respect. I just want the same opportunities. I have to work 10 times as hard to get a gig. 10 times as hard. And the reason why I'm saying this now is because this is the time for all of us to speak up so that nobody has a misunderstanding anymore. I can no longer be silent so that you're comfortable or you're comfortable or you're comfortable. I have to speak my truth because people are dying at a, an alarming rate. And um, I love people of all races, all colors, all, all of that. But right now I'm lifting my people because we need to be lifted. And right. I, ho I hope people can really understand that mm -hmm. and see how, guess what? At a time where y'all gonna need us for something, we, we will stand up too, and we have, but it can't be the women's movement. And then when black women need those women, they're gone. It has right. to be, it has to be like, come on, we all in for mm -hmm. everybody or every man for themselves. It can't be this like a us thing, one nation under God, liberty, and all, liberty, justice for all. Okay. But how he get off for killing that dude on tape? Right. <laughs> you know, something's not adding up. Yeah. Me. So, um, I'm, I'm combating it by educating myself. I've created a program in my, in my boot camp that can serve and service some of those communities. I'm creating mentorship programs because guitar is not enough. Right. Music heals, but it ain't enough. You, some people need therapy. Right. Some people need some, a friend to talk to. Some people need to journal, whatever, you know, and, and it's about teaching those coping skills and um, really Really getting on the same page, the whole world getting on the same so page. Creating that community too. So everybody has each other as well, right? Exactly. And they can connect. Um, do you have any kind of like resources that you would recommend for people? You know, you said you've been doing research. Is there anything that, that really stood out for you that we can share uh, in the show yeah, notes? Well, and I, I just found, you know, to be honest with you, I've been watching a lot of documentaries. I just watched this documentary on YouTube and it's called Martin Luther King Jr., if you put if you put in Martin Luther King Jr. documentary and I'll send it to you, okay. it was probably the most informative thing I've ever seen. And it talked about um, Dr. King. It was basically what impact did Dr. King have in the world? And I was like, wow, that's a good question. So I watched it. It's an hour long, and basically I'm going to give you a synopsis of what that was. The impact he had on the world is that number one, he's he kind of popularized and started the idea of like the peaceful protesting, which he had got from Gandhi. Um, he had studied Gandhi, he even went to India and then was like, wow, this really worked for Gandhi over here and these people. So let me take this back to America. And um, at a time where still, you know, police were, were being brutal mm -hmm. and fire holes and gun and dogs and all this stuff, you know, black people were doing sitting and marching. Uh, the Montgomery bus boycott. And those were kind of like um, really important things in the movement because they established for the world that, wait a minute, these people are being peaceful. Y'all tripping, you know, cause you can't, you can't lie. You can't make up footage, you know? So when right. you have a footage of someone standing there doing nothing and you go up to them with a police dog and attack them, you look crazy, not the person. So uh, what he really did was Give, give this movement an audience, a, a global platform by the peaceful protests that, that he led, you know, and there were many other leaders, but this documentary was about him. Um, he also led um, and was responsible for the, the, the Civil Rights Act of 1964, which allowed all men to vote because only white men could vote and only one in a hundred black men could vote. <laughs> like, and how did they go about picking that one? Right. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. you, here, vote. Like, <laughs> so I want to point this out. Okay. This was in 1964. Which, I mean, that was, yeah. 60s, I mean, 60 years ago, but st that's such a short time. Such it's such a short time. And I don't want to hear no more. Never, 9-11, never forget. No, we yeah. don't never forget too. Okay. Mm -hmm. Because Dr. King, we couldn't even vote before him. And that's why people need to vote. And I, I'm going to be honest. I never took voting seriously. I always thought, ah, oh, I'm just one person. I live in a blue state anyway. I had all these excuses. I'm traveling. I don't know how to mail it in. Girl, this year, all them excuses out the door because we have to vote simply because Dr. King literally died. <laughs> For that. Dedicated mm -hmm. his life, and not just him, 
so many black leaders and men and women in our community. Then the, the, the I, I want to say it was called the, the Voting Act of 1965 is when now they expanded it to women and, and black, you know, black women. And I, I don't know. I don't want to miss give any information. I was more sure about the first one, but I'm not sure if it was like black because I know there was also like women's think movements and stuff like that. So right. I'm not exactly sure, but I do know for sure the, the 1964 um, act is what got black men to vote. And then later the next year um, after um, President Kennedy was assassinated, Lyndon Johnson then signed in that 1965 act. And it was, he was crucial in bringing people together because of his relationship with Dr. King. You see what I'm saying? So mm -hmm. people don't understand like that was, that was really, really, really important. And it wasn't that long ago. Um, his children and grandchildren are still alive. Right. Like, this is not like the Egyptians were referring to. Like, this. Right. Yeah. It's not like, like centuries like, and centuries ago. It's recent. It's within the last hundred yes, years. Literally, literally yeah. Martin Luther King III, who's his son, is an activist, you know, and, and is still here. So, um, the what he left was um, a template for, for peaceful protesting. Mm -hmm. Um, I love they showed a little bit of the conflict between him and Malcolm X, which I think is really important to understand um, two different views and perspectives and angles um, of the movement where Malcolm X felt like by any means necessary, y'all putting guns on us, we gonna put guns on y'all, you know, and I think what's important to note is that they were both assassinated. So for anyone mm -hmm. that wants to act like one was better or more important than the other, they were both assassinated in the end. Right. And we're both we're still talking about both of them. So it, it, we need to stop making it a competition or a celebrity thing. And it, the movement is about everybody. And it's about, mm -hmm. it's just the facts and keep it, keep it to that. Because I notice a lot of people try and get sidetracked with stuff that doesn't matter. And, um, you know, I had to do my research because I even allow social media to take me down all these rabbit holes and I don't even know it's, the truth. Yeah. It's so easy to just get, you know, I did <laughs> that the other night. I, I started watching the um, the helicopter footage in LA of the looting, and then and then I get on Twitter, and then I start going down these rabbit holes, and it's like, you know, you don't know people, and that's the thing about social media is everybody can post whatever they want, right? Yeah. And, and then that's where you get lost, and I think that's very important. Um, I'm definitely going to share um, this the documentary. Yeah. I'm going to send it to you because it's yeah. so good. Oh. Yeah. Um, so I'm definitely going to share that. And, um, you know, I think what you're doing to, with your boot camp, just being that positive influence and giving opportunity to not just learn guitar, but to connect and to create yeah. a community is, is incredible. And it's something that I think is so needed. And I mean, I can't wait to, to share your music with my audience and to really, you know, share what you're doing in your community. Um, was there any other any other resources that you can think of, or yeah, I can always um, share them after the fact too? If we yeah, need. let me send you. There's some books, and I want to get the titles and, and okay. authors correct because you know I, I'll, I'll be making up titles. But um, <laughs> there, there's a couple books um, that I've read. One off one off the top of my head, which isn't necessarily a civil rights book, but it's by Ricky Minor, who's a black um, music director in the industry, and it's called No Traffic on the Extra Mile. There's no traffic on the extra mile. Um, and it was just one of my favorite books because it really talks about, he was, he worked for like Whitney Houston, Mariah Carey. I mean, he's like the go, like everybody knows Ricky Meyer. Um, but <clears throat> it really talks about his work ethic. And I think it's important to, to, I love hearing a black man's perspective of like how hard he worked. And it's like, if you, even stuff like that, I keep hearing people saying like, share black stories. We have been, my album is a black story. Yeah. <laughs> Ricky Miner's book is a black story. Oprah's show was a black story. Like, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Everything we do is a black story. So um, I think it's important to not only do like civil rights research, but go back and just read some black stories. Just black people, mm -hmm. authors, musicians, poets, dancers, um, circus employees, whoever. Right. And, and start <laughs> to notice, don't take it from us. Do the research and listen from do research and start to notice the patterns. Why do you think a lot of our art is about struggle and pain? My album is called Help Is Not On The Way. Taylor Swift's first album was not called Help Is Not On The Way. Yeah. It was called Taylor Swift. <laughs> I love Taylor Swift, I'm a Swiftie. But, hi Taylor if you listen. But um, 
you you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. I think I think that's important because I think people get real activisty, like yeah, mm-hmm. we gonna march, and then when it's over, it's like all right, back to regular life. No, right, they just go back the to point. their yeah. We're we're a part of the American story, and we've been sharing our stories. You just didn't listen in the same with the same intent that you are now. So if you go back to some of even your favorite show, you know, people like Queen Latifah and um, Holly Berry and Denzel Washington and um, you know, I mentioned Miles Davis and Ella Fitzgerald, but, but just go back and they have like, I love the Jimi Hendrix biography. So good. I'll, I'll get the exact name and send it to you. I read the Miles Davis biography. So good. Like so, so, so good to hear him talking about after he recorded. So what the most famous jazz song of our time, there's a picture of him where he's got like trash on him. White people like threw trash on him after he recorded that. So again, a lot of a lot of white people might listen to Miles Davis. Hold on, sorry. It's okay. One second. But didn't know that like he experienced some of the things we're still protesting about today. Right. And that's important to make that connection. So that's what I would recommend. Studying civil rights literature by black people. I want to say that that's very important. Nobody can tell our stories but us. Appreciate the help, but um, if you're gonna do something, some research, go to the source, which is us. Mm-hmm. Our art, our books. And, and that the combination of the, of the civil rights activism and the movement stuff combined with just the personal accounts, I think will give you a, well, a well-rounded understanding of what it's like to be black in America. Yeah, I'm, and once you send me those, I'll include all that in the show notes so we can cool. uh, find the books, find the documentaries, uh, do you know, our own research. And um, I just have one last question for you before we uh, end this podcast. Where can my audience find and connect with you um, online? Um, I, I know your album is on Spotify. Um, my is everywhere. iTunes, Spotify, Pandora, Tidal, TikTok, your grandma's basement. Go down there. <laughs> Look for it. It's down there. Okay. And where can they connect with you online to, to hear more of so, your story and, and what you're yes, doing with your so YouTube, My YouTube page, which is Juno the Artist, is where you'll get more personal behind the scenes stuff. You know, I, I was on the show um, Fox Empire uh, with Taraji P. Henson and Terrence Howard and Jesse Smollett. That was amazing. And I got some just, just like kind of like vloggy stuff. But majority of YouTube is, is a lot of my free guitar lessons. So please check that out to kind of see the type of culture and things that I do, even though the program is, is, is updated a lot. Um, and then you can find me on Instagram at Juno underscore the artist. And I'm on and popping. And if you say something crazy in my comment, I'm going to be in that crazy too. <laughs> I'm very, very active. So come holler at me. Okay. I would love to chat. I wanted to talk about just, just for like one minute. Um, I, I just recently started and I'm doing it privately. I haven't publicly talked about it, but I'm giving people an opportunity to sponsor a class for boot camp for an underprivileged student. And I want to talk about the requirements of what I'm having for the students to be a part. Sure. Number one, <clears throat> they have to be on social media and be a part of what's going on and they have to be active and part of what's going on. Number two, they have to have a goal for their future and something they're working towards. You can't be one of those. I don't know people. You got to know what you want. Mm -hmm. at least some idea um and we're partnering um them with mentors but um i just want to give people an opportunity if you would like to contact me um and i would love to send you information on how you can sponsor uh, one of the guitar classes for underprivileged students so that they have access to not only quality education but resource accurate information and relationships in the industries that they're working towards i have relationships across all the industries acting music dance Berkeley, everywhere in the world. Mm-hmm. And I'm just bridging those gaps because I can, and it don't take away from me to give to somebody else. So if you are fortunate enough to be in a, in a, uh, a, a financial position that you can help someone else and you're looking for an organization um, to pour into, then Juno's Guitar Bootcamp will be an amazing option and I'll be glad to send out more information. Sure, and where can, um, if someone wants to sponsor, how can they reach out to you? Just on Instagram, or do you have a, a uh, email? So, so, yeah, Juno's Guitar Bootcamp at gmail.com. Okay. And, <clears throat> yeah. All right, I will include that too. We um, thank you so much. Yeah, you're welcome. And um, thank you for coming on the podcast, for sharing your story. Uh, this was a great conversation, and 
I, I loved hearing about you and I'm going to share all these links and everything on, on our show notes. So thank you again. Thank you. thank you for listening to the Broken Glass Podcast. If you like the show and want to know more, visit www.brokenglassmediallc.com, subscribe to the podcast, and don't forget to leave a review. Join me each week to hear new stories, learn all about the tools and resources available to you, and get tips for building a career in music. If you're interested in becoming part of a community of supportive women in music, join our secret community on Facebook at the Broken Glass Collective.